0: Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we begin our series, Seven, The Seven Deadly Sins of Ministry. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, episode 27. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Well, it's 2019. It's a new year, a new day. And so we're going to begin a new sermon series for the podcast. It's called Seven, The Seven Deadly Sins of Ministry. And so we're going to look at the seven deadly sins over the next few episodes. So I hope you will continue listening with me. Now, the most important person that you have to minister to is yourself. It's not your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, or congregants. Each of those people are part of our mission. But as ministers, the most important person we have to watch over is ourselves. Paul says in 1 Timothy four sixteen, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul encouraged Timothy to keep a close watch on himself and on his teaching. The phrase, keep a close watch in the Greek, means to examine or observe. The man of God examines his spiritual health just as much as he examines the spiritual health of the people he ministers to. Your first responsibility is your own salvation and holiness. Personal growth in sanctification and godliness takes precedent before ministering to others. Robert McShane, a minister in Scotland in the 1800s, who was a man of prayer and a student of Scripture, wrote to a ministerial friend who was attempting to perfect himself in the German tongue. And he says, and I quote, I know you will apply hard to German, but do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean, of the heart. How diligently the cavalry officer keeps his saber clean and sharp. Every stain he rubs off with the greatest care. Remember, you are God's sword, His instrument. I trust a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name. And in great measure, according to the purity and perfection of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God." Quote. Timothy cannot separate the life he lives and the message he preaches. The people Timothy ministers to will undoubtedly mimic his lifestyle, more than obey his message. Paul continues and says, Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. The word persist in the Greek means to remain or to continue. The man of God can't just have a spiritual checkup every once in a while. He can't check his health just on days of communion or Christmas time or New Year's Eve. Rather, he must constantly check the health of his heart and soul. The psalmist writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, 23, and 24. In the verses preceding these, David is praying for the destruction of his enemies. But David knows that his greatest enemy isn't without, it's within. The man of God's greatest adversary isn't the devil or unruly people. No, it's the sin within our own hearts. Sin is the stowaway in our hearts waiting for the right moment to be freed. It is our responsibility to keep a close watch upon ourselves because the people we serve need for us to be in our best condition. Our spiritual health must be in the very best of condition. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves Or do you not realize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? The Corinthian church wanted proof that God was speaking through Paul. Paul turned and told them to examine themselves to see whether or not they were in the faith. The word examine in the Greek means to put to the test. Like the jeweler who examines diamonds for any imperfections, we are to examine our own spiritual state. We must keep a close watch on ourselves. It is easy for us to neglect our own hearts. The man of God's heart can become just as calloused as his hands. Toiling in the depths of man's problems and issues can cause us to become numb to sin. Counseling people and ministering to people who have ruined their lives because of sin can lead us to becoming blind to our very own failures. 1 Corinthians ten twelve through 13 Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Take heed. Again, the original language is alluding to keeping watch over yourself. The one who thinks he stands has fooled himself. We aren't standing spiritually upright because of something we have done. Rather, we stand because of the grace of God. And just as we need God's grace to save us, we need God to help us stay saved. We can't save ourselves and we can't keep ourselves saved. We need Christ in us to help us. If we fail to keep a close watch upon ourselves as we minister to others, we are just as susceptible to failing. But we have a promise. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted above or beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Brothers, God is faithful. Temptation is common to men we must remain committed to continually examining our hearts and trusting in Jesus Christ for His strength. Now, sin is the same formidable foe for the Christian and the minister. Each has to wage the war against sin. Puritan John Owen wrote, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. We are going to spend time studying the seven deadly sins. Now, Scripture doesn't exclusively list these sins as the most dangerous. Granted, Scripture doesn't say some sins are deadlier than the others because, according to Romans 3.23, all sin brings death. However, throughout church history, these seven sins have been grouped together. In his book, Hitless, Taking Aim at the Seven Deadly Sins, author Brian Hedges describes how these seven sins became grouped together. Let me quote him at length. Quote, John Casian wrote more extensively on these sins, organizing them into categories of natural and and unnatural, by which he meant those which cannot be consummated without bodily action, such as gluttony and fornication, and others can be completed without any bodily action whatsoever, such as pride and vainglory, and showing how one's sin feeds into another. But it was Gregory the Great, hailed by John Calvin as the last bishop of Rome, who condensed the list, to 7 in his late 6th century treatise, Morals, on the book of Job. End quote. Books, television shows, and movies have attempted to show the nature of these seven sins at work in humanity. Though Scripture outlines many other sins, they can all be traced back to these seven sins. In other words, the seven deadly sins are the root sins that cause a million other sins, for the minister, these are seven sins that we must avoid at all costs. And while we may strike blows to the root of sin in others, the seven deadly sins will disguise themselves in ways that we are blind to. Sin has a thousand faces. And if ministers aren't cautious, we will be deceived and fail to recognize sin's deceptive work in our hearts. Together we will attempt to look closely at these seven deadly sins attempting to remove their facades and see them for what they really are, deadly. Number one, pride. Number two, envy. Number three, anger. Number four, sloth. Number five, greed. Number six, gluttony. And finally, number seven, lust. Briefly, I want us to get an overview of these seven sins, though we will take each deadly sin by themselves in an episode here on the Cut It Straight podcast. Now, pride seeks to put itself above God. We see this in the fall of Satan where he says, I will exalt myself. I will sit where God is. I'll be above God as Isaiah and Ezekiel outlined that fall. But then we see that the same sin of pride in Adam when he is deceived that if he takes of the fruit, he and Eve will become like God. Envy can't help but be unhappy with the success of others. King Saul's envy of David is such an example. Anger explodes at any given moment over trivial things. Sloth is bored with God and the things of God and seeks to put off for another day. Greed is the inordinate desire to have more. Gluttony tries to fulfill itself with food. Finally, lust is sexual desire that overtakes the uh, the gift that God has given us of love between man and woman in the sanctity of marriage. As you can see, these are seven deadly sins, but they are very deadly for the minister. Pride wants to put ourselves above God, though God says he will not share his glory with any other. Envy, we just want what everybody else has. I wish we had a church that size. I wish I had that type of ministry. Why can't I preach that conference? How come they never have problems? Anger explodes at any, any moment, any trivial thing. I can't have it my way? Fine. We'll do it some other way, or we're not doing it at all. We just get angry. We're annoyed with people. We're annoyed with situations, and so we blow off the hinge. Sloth is bored with doing God's work. We find no fulfillment in it, so we procrastinate and put it off for another day. Greed is I want more. I want more money. I want more cars. I want more clothes. I want better clothes, better cars. I want a bigger house. I want to I wish I was preaching somewhere else. I wish I had a bigger church. It's always needing more. Then there's lust. How many men and even women have failed their ministry and ruined churches because they stepped outside the sanctity of marriage. Brothers and sisters, these are seven deadly sins that we must conquer. We must put to death the works of the flesh. All of these sins are root sins that lead to a million other sins. We think that as ministers we are not susceptible to such failures and such sins. They creep around in our hearts, hiding in the shadows, waiting for a moment for us to have a moment of weakness. Now, we have to understand God did not choose angels to do His work. He chose flawed, broken humanity. When Cornelius was praying and sending alms to God, he sent an angel. But the angel did not tell him what he had to do to be saved. He told him to call for Peter. Meanwhile, Peter is on the top of a roof, telling God he's never eaten anything unclean. He's so broken and so flawed, he doesn't even understand what God is trying to do through him. But yet it's Peter who will tell Cornelius that he must be baptized and he must receive the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It wasn't an angel, it was a man. And we as men are flawed and broken. Sin is within us. We're never absolved of sin. Though we're forgiven of sin and freed from the bondage of sin, However, we're not relieved of the duty of mortifying sin in our own hearts. We must fight these seven deadly sins for each of us are susceptible to their power. If we're not daily persisting in examining our hearts, testing ourselves whether we are in the faith, they will overcome us like a lion to its prey. It's crouching at the door. But brothers, we have hope that God is faithful, that God will help us just as he has saved us. He will keep us saved and he will help us that in our weakness, his strength is made strong. It's perfect. His grace is sufficient for us. So together over the next several episodes, we're going to look at the seven deadly sins, but we are not without hope. We are not without the hope that Christ wants to help us to slay the sin that's in our own hearts. Though we preach and teach and hope that others will mortify their own sins, we too must take up the sword and wield the sword of grace and mortify these seven deadly sins that are in our hearts. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, episodes, and articles, go to my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at NSWhitley, and be sure to go to my Facebook page, NSWhitley.